Welcome to the Collective Leadership Podcast. This is space for leaders to discover, collaborate, and prepare together for God's work in the world. I'm Kim Valenzuela, and our host is Kelvin Walker, a worshiper, pastor, and leader of the CMA Metro District. Hi, Kelvin. So last time we discussed what it means to cast a collective vision. Kelvin, you shared with us the purpose behind the vision statement of the Metro District and the impact it has not only on our future, but also on our past. We are now starting a series on our core values. We will discover why these core values are mission critical for the Metro District and how they are universal to the mission of the church. We will be joined by other leaders who are catalysts for the church in each of these core values. Our first core value that we will cover today is ministry and life in the spirit. Calvin, I have three simple questions for you. Who is this value for? Why are we emphasizing the spirit? And what does this value look like in everyday leadership? Well, who's this for? It's for everyone. Uh, Jesus didn't give the, the call to go and wait in Jerusalem so that the Holy Spirit would come just for the disciples. This was 120 people who were gathered. And it seems as you look in the book of Acts, it doesn't just seem it, I see it. Um, as you look in the book of Acts, as people came to faith in Christ, there was a point at which they were also filled with the Spirit. And that's how the church grew. That's how the church expanded. And so ministry and life in the Spirit is not just for the leader. It's for everyone. So this call is for all people. Why are we emphasizing this? It's the command of Jesus. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. There's a connection between ministering for Jesus and the power of the Spirit. When you look at life in the Spirit, Paul says very clear to the church of Galatia, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. So it's not just for the Holy Spirit. He's not just for power for ministry. He's also power for living. The why is why we emphasize him because he's for both. And then what does this look like in everyday leadership? Looks like getting up in the morning, very clearly saying to the Lord, Lord, there's nothing I can do today unless your spirit leads me, guides me, fills me. And so I'm saying that I am dependent upon your spirit without the help of your spirit. Everything I do has to be done in my own strength. And that's just not getting me anywhere. That gives us a great overview picture of the intent behind this core value and why we see it um, as so critical to the mission of the Metro District. But just a question for you regarding the who is this for? So if it's for everyone, where do we get this idea that there are some people that are specifically gifted with the spirit or we use the phrase, oh, that's a spirit person or that person's really not of the spirit? Where is this language coming from And how do you want to see change within our metro district regarding the spirit being maybe for some special leaders, but not for other leaders? Mm, That's a good question. I think we have a preconceived or even a prescribed idea of how the spirit works. And this is what you see when the spirit is on a person or a person's moving in the spirit. My hope is that we get away from the prescription and we live lives of description. 
here are some of the things that describe what life in the spirit looks like. So that the person who uh, feels like, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't work in me that way, doesn't feel like they're not a spirit person, but will begin to recognize signs of the spirit's work in their lives and the spirit's work through their lives so that we, we come to a place where we say, we're not going to prescribe how he looks when he moves in someone. We are just going to say, Holy Spirit, come. And then describe the things that we see. So I don't know if that fully answers your question, but those are my thoughts. Can you describe to us some of those some of those ways in which we see or we know for ourselves that the Spirit is working through us, whether it's in ministry or whether it's in our life. You mentioned, you know, evidences of the Spirit looks different for different people. Even for yourself, what are some of those evidences that you see when you know that the Spirit of God is working in you and through you? Uh, I look at the ministry or the manifestation gifts that we talk about. When, when I see marks of those in my life, when there's wisdom that I know is very clearly not mine, when there's discernment that seems more than what I can discern in my natural sense, when I am seeing the, um, the fruit of his spirit in ways that I go, that just can't be produced in me naturally. Those are markers that I, start, that I start to say, okay, the Spirit is at work. Here's something I think is important to understand or something I'd like to submit to you. I think we get caught up in the gifts as if we own a gift. The Spirit owns the gifts. He gives as He wills. He distributes as He wills. And so if we can get away from this idea that I have this gift or I have that gift when it comes to the gifts or the manifestations of the spirit and just say, spirit, come and whatever you want to do, we are, we are open and we are available. Then we stop putting people and churches and ministries in categories of this is a spirit ministry, this is not a spirit ministry. And we start looking for the descriptive markers of the work of the spirit in our lives and in churches and in places and in people and in our district. When we start seeing that, and it's something that I'm excited about as I travel through our district, I come away from different churches and different places and conversations with different people and pastors and workers, and you hear things and you go, oh, that's the work of the spirit. That's the mark of the spirit. Oh, the spirit's at work in, in this person's life. Oh, I can hear God's anointing on so-and-so. Uh, not because they're special, but we see the descriptors, the markers. So, I love that you made that distinction because, you know, so often we think of the spiritual gifts of the spirit to be specific to the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy, but yet what it looks like for our, all of our people to understand spirit-empowered leadership gifts, spirit-empowered hospitality gifts, or gifts of the spirit that are also in administration and people that are gifted by the spirit for these areas. 
that are often not designated or categorized as spirit gifts. Mm-hmm. So I love that you're you're challenging that perspective and saying it's for all people, no matter their role in the church, no matter their role in leadership. It's for everyone to see how the Spirit of God is empowering them for their unique place in ministry and also in life. And that's something you touched on that I wanted you to clarify a little bit more for us because it's you know, very distinctive that you have ministry and life in the Spirit. Why did you include both of those together? Because if you minister through the power of the Spirit, but your life is a mess, then there's only going to be a matter of time before the powerful ministry in the Spirit that you have has no more kingdom impact. But if your life is all together because of the work of the Spirit, but you are not dependent upon the Spirit or asking for an outpouring or a filling of the Spirit for what you do in ministry, then everything you do is dependent upon you. And so you need an outpouring of the Spirit in order to minister in the Spirit, and you need a fresh filling of the Spirit in order to live by the Spirit. So it's not an either or, it's a both and. And yet, in the emphasis of it, I've said ministry and life in the Spirit because I want people to see we need the Holy Spirit's work in us for both. So it's, the purpose is to show an emphasis on both. It's not to say that life is exclusive or ministry or ministry is exclusive of life. You're still looking at them holistically, but emphasizing the role of the Spirit in both rather than segregated to one or the other. Yes, yes. And if we can backtrack just real quickly, I mentioned the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit. I think we separate them out way too much, way too much. And so you've got a group that talks about spiritual gifts, but they only talk about them from the perspective of the ministry gifts, hospitality, administration, those kinds of things. And when you talk about the manifestations of the Spirit, it's kind of like, stay away from that. But then you've got a group that emphasizes the manifestations as if they are only the only spiritual gifts and the others are just, these these are talents. And what, what I believe Paul teaches and what I believe the scripture teaches us and what, what it is that we're called to is when we live life in the spirit, there will be manifestations of both. It's not, again, this either or thing, it's a both and. And we are not to be afraid of or look down upon either because they're both the work of the spirit. Yeah, so true. Thank you so much for bridging those two and, and bonding them together, which is, I think, what, what you're explaining. They were intended to be bonded together and not separated. Mm-hmm. You know, some people will might raise an eyebrow to our emphasis on life in the Spirit. So why, why have we chosen to emphasize this one particularly as one of our, you know, pillar core values of the Metro District? We've chosen to do that. First, because it was the last command that Jesus gave just before he ascended into the clouds. It was very clear that he said, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem because you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
And so the emphasis on the work of the Holy Spirit was important enough for Jesus to make it the last thing that he said to his disciples. It should be a primary work for us. Second, as people who believe in the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit being for today, uh, in fact, it's very core to our doctrinal statement, we can't even hope to live a life that is holy and set apart without the work of the Spirit. It says so in our doctrinal statement. This is the will of God, that we be filled with the Spirit. And so that would be another reason. And third, I think um, Francis Chan says it best, that we treat the Holy Spirit as if he's the forgotten God. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But uh, often we live life as if we believe God the Father, God the Son, and the work of my own spirit. And we forget that Jesus left the spirit to continue in us what it was that he started when he walked on the earth. Beautiful. So what does this value look like in everyday leadership? You started to reflect on that. But I'm wondering for you as a leader, when you step in here, how are you reflecting on the spirit of God at work within you? Well, first of all, I've come to a place where I am more and more aware that the task ahead for me can't be done in ways that I've done things in the past. It takes a different mindset. I'd even go as far as to say it takes a a fresh anointing, an anointing that is different than how God has anointed and used me in the past. If I'm fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit, I am aware, much more aware, of how it is that he wants me to lead, how it is that he wants me to minister, what it is that he wants me to do, and it's less time sitting and trying to figure it out and pull my hair out. It's uh, making it very clear, I can't do this without the work of your spirit in my life, Lord. Without that, then I am tempted to go back to the way I've done things in the past. Nothing wrong with it, but that was for then. The things that I need for now, uh, I can't do it without a fresh outpouring of a spirit in my life. How would you encourage other leaders to pursue, to desire the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their everyday decisions, meetings, as they're leading, teaching, preaching, how would you encourage them? Just as you would sit down and you would spend time in God's word, spend time asking the Spirit for a fresh outpouring, making it very clear, uh, I can't do anything. I can't even think the thoughts of Jesus without the work of the Spirit in my life. And so inviting the Holy Spirit to come It seems silly to some people, but just this is, and again, this is a descriptor. It's not a prescribed thing. Uh, Something that has become very important to me is to sit before the Lord and just say, Holy Spirit, come. I need a fresh outpouring. Even as I'm driving into the office, praying for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit's work in my life. 
taking time when you are at an impasse and you're just like, I'm not sure what's next. Holy Spirit, come. I need a fresh outpouring. I can't even think your thoughts without you. Um, you are the one that, that has been promised that would come. You have come. You have been poured out. But just as Paul says, I need a fresh outpouring every day. Every day, I need you to fill me. It's a continual thing. Listening to you, I'm just, I'm reminded of one of the most significant times when I felt the experience of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for myself. Hmm. And it was with an elder of our church, and he led me through basically acknowledging and then renouncing my reliance on my own competency. So I would be so reliant on figuring things out, on strategizing, on thinking through problems that my head would just spin. And the problem is that it would often get me where I needed to go, but at the cost of a lot of anxiety or the cost of a lot of stress. And that was the, the triggers in my life that brought me to say, I can only go so far and I need the Holy Spirit. I need Him working in me and through me. And so it's through that process for me of what you said of saying I was desperate for it and had to have it, had to have the outpouring of the Spirit. Yeah, I don't think, well, let me put it this way. I think we have lost a holy desperation for the work of the Spirit. I think the disciples were so hungry for what Jesus had promised that they were willing to wait. They were willing to tarry. They didn't leave. They could have in that 10-day period, could have said, you know, he said, come wait. It's been three days. Nothing's happened. I'm out of here. I think we, in our busy society, get too complacent and too impatient. And maybe what God is calling us to as a church is a holy desperation that says, I'm not leaving until you give a fresh outpouring. And you'll know. <laughs> you will know. The fresh outpouring that you're speaking of, so often in order to reach those places of desperation, it does require the slowing down. Mm -hmm. Slowing down the days of Sabbath, the days of rest, to even just reflect and say, God, I'll wait here for you today. Mm -hmm. And I do hope that those are those are practices and values that we can recapture as a church and as a people is to wait on the Lord and to be desperate for what he has to do through us mm -hmm. and for us. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a picture of why ministry and life in the spirit is mission critical for the Metro District? In what ways does this value impact us and our mission as a Metro District? Well, if we go back again to our history and our DNA, this was mission critical in our founding. So I, I see it as a recapturing the DNA of who we are. Second, we've been saying since district conference, we've never walked this way before. We've never been this way before. And if we are walking in a new way and we're going in a new direction, we can't do that without the Holy Spirit filling us, opening our eyes, leading us, speaking to us, continually laying out the clear path for us. It's mission critical because of that. That's exciting to get on board with. Hmm. 
is that the Spirit of God is the one leading this new path that we're walking. Yeah. So in what ways do you also see this value contributing universally to the mission of the church? Again, going back to what Jesus said to his disciples, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and on most parts of the world when the Holy Spirit is poured out on you. I think we focus on being witnesses and forget the first part of that. And so it's mission critical for us to be effective witnesses that his spirit is poured out on us. Absolutely. And I think that what you said earlier regarding who it's for is that it's not prescriptive of this is how the spirit of God moves in every church or in every ecclesium or uh, denomination, but that he is unique also and has unique ways in which he's manifested in which he unique ways in which he shows up in each of our different churches and throughout the world. And so, so often, just as you said in our podcast before about Jesus, we learn so much about who Jesus is from the different expressions of the church. I think we also experience a different way of the Holy Spirit through the different uh, expressions of the church from around the world and from pastors and leaders around the world. But I think there's a key unifying thing when he shows up you'll know it. Yeah. And then I would add to this, when we're desperate for him, he will come. Mm. I've had so many takeaways from today. And one of the takeaways that just keeps resonating with me is that this is just not a value. This is something that we need. It's mm-hmm. something that we're desperate for. It's something that's universal for the whole church. And it's something that was a command of God. And that command has not gone away It didn't finish when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, but it's continuing for us today that we are called to wait Mm -hmm. on the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. The emphasis that he has on the kind of life that drunkenness produces versus the life that the filling of the Spirit produces, because uh, he goes on to talk about how we will end up speaking to one another as a result of that, the, the mutual submission to one another as a result of the Spirit's filling in comparison to a life of debauchery. I, I notice in that how he talks about drunkenness, and that's a kind of an ongoing be being drunken, <laughs> but then in, instead be being filled with the Spirit is what he says it is a marker that it is not just a once and for all thing. If it were once and for all, he would have said, you have been filled with the Spirit. But he says, continue to be filled with the Spirit, which means we constantly need to live in a state of desperation for fresh outpouring. Mm, thank you. It's ongoing. Mm-hmm. We keep receiving. And if we keep coming back, then we keep receiving. And just when we think we've had enough, He says, oh, there's more. Beautiful. Thank you for listening to Collective Leadership by the CMA Metro District. We hope that you've been challenged to lead and live by the power of the Holy Spirit, desperate for all that's more that's to come. Thank you. Thank you.